How to tell you about the warehouse. Join the big show Friday. That's Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yuck. Boom. Boom. There you go. The big show Friday at the warehouse. You guys are doing, you do the warehouse just about every Friday, don't you, Gordon? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a terrific place uh, that uh, it's very comfortable, you know. Jake good. falls asleep uh, nearly every time we <laughs> broadcast from there. That's, well, that's the only good. problem. Glad to hear about that. You know, one of the reasons, and Gordon Monson joining us, DJ's off, one of the reasons why I would love to see the Jazz win, obviously it would be good for the community. But I think for me, I've always viewed myself as the underdog, the little guy. You know, I tell you, I tell you, I get no respect, uh, that type of thing. Uh, so it would sort of thumb the nose at the big market teams. Even if I wasn't living here, uh, I think I would want to see the Jazz to win, and particularly uh, this year because we've already discussed how fun they are just to watch them play. And basketball, to me, can be either really fun to watch or it could be boring, you know, pounding it in the pavement and being selfish as opposed to moving the ball around and hitting the open man, all that type of stuff. Athleticism off the charts when Mitchell's doing his weaving to the hoop and rising up and slam dunking and go bare block. And we all know the reasons why the Jazz are fun to watch. But, you know, one of the things I think might need to be addressed, I want to see what you thought, this buyout clause situation here. Now, we've gotten three t- prominent players in the league for a number of years, or maybe Drummond isn't a prominent player, but Blake Griffin and Aldridge are. So Drummond's going to go to the Lakers, and he's a center. He's bought out, and the Lakers get him on the cheap. He's going to start, and they play tonight against the Bucks. And then the Nets. So the point being, two big market teams are benefiting from the buyout rules. Do you think that the NBA should change that up as far as what the buyout rules are so we don't have this situation? Because it doesn't seem like they're choosing the small market. They're choosing the big market teams, the teams that have a good opportunity to win the title. Is that fair for the league? Is it in the best situation of the NBA to have these buyouts? But, uh, well, (laughs) are the smaller market teams, uh, there are some great ones right now, the Jazz, uh, the way they're playing. Couldn't he have decided to do that if he was basing it on a chance at a title? Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) but I can see the the guys in New York saying, okay, well, make yourself attractive so that uh, so the players will want to go there. I think that Drummond is a nice pickup. Some me people too. Disagree, disagree with me on no, that. No, I agree they, with you. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a big They don't deal. have anything, so a halfway decent player is going to be better <laughs> than what they have. Yeah, just keep the boat afloat until the, the big guns come back, and, and they will, and the Lakers will be formidable, I believe, at some point. Oh, if, of all the teams out there, they can flip it on when they have everybody there. It's the Lakers, and look, they're the defending champs. We know that. Is that an advantage? I, well, I mean, you could say the same thing maybe about free agency in general. You know, I mean, that seems to be the trend. I mean, how many big free agents have the Jazz ever signed? But when you were talking about the attractiveness of having a team like the Jazz win it all, were you so satisfied when the Spurs were winning multiple titles? To an extent. But see, even they they got lucky and then they rigged it. Oh, and Popovich is impossible to enjoy. <laughs> the guy okay. got all sorts of – he never fails to rip the U.S. But on China, he didn't have a whole hell of a lot to say. 
<laughs> That's what you're blaming? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Why can't I? Why? Yeah. That irritates me. What can I tell you? Yeah, but that came that came uh, long after their championships. I understand that. So you're right. So I, did you I, I enjoy as as... did you enjoy those championships because they got five of them? And, and uh, the thing about Popovich is interesting because you know Bob Hill gets booted out the door yeah. as soon as Popovich sees the Tim Duncan's coming. Right. That's, uh, well, yeah, and I also the the in quarter interviews and the constant uh, attitude with the media. What can I tell you? That turned me off. Okay. So, All right, well, yeah. I didn't uh, enjoy so, it to the level. But, yeah, and so they sat out Robinson, and Duncan was available. Uh, and, you know, they got the, when they got the number one picks, Michael Candy wasn't available. David Robinson and Tim Duncan were. And good for them. So to an extent, to answer your question, yeah, I thought it was cool that a small market team. It's just Popovich didn't seem like it was – he made it enjoyable. All right. And I guess you can say that about Phil Jackson or what have you. And, and and they're not there to entertain me. The players are. So, But that's my own personal belief. I didn't enjoy it as much as I can. Some people <laughs> thought that they were boring to watch. I thought that they were really interesting to watch. I liked the way they play. I mean, and They weren't flamboyant. People, yeah, that's true. But they were. But I, I didn't cool. have a problem with the way they played. I, I enjoyed watching Tim Duncan play. Saw him play in person in college. Saw him play in person in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. So I, I enjoyed the way. He was he was a great player, obviously one of the best, all time best. But some people, PK, say that the Jazz won't win a title because the NBA has it in form because they make less money if a team like the Jazz become champions. Well, San Antonio is like Salt Lake in that regard, and there was nothing standing in their way because they were good enough no. to get it done. But but see, I, I think that the, the NBA is the thing about the free agency that you speak of. You're not getting a star or a good player at a cut rate where these buyouts true it's a different situation and i don't see maybe there has been and probably somewhere along the line some buyout has gone to a smaller market but it seems like they're just going to the more glamour markets and the nba is sort of they have their feet in both situations here you know because if it's supposed to be just a a capitalism, and you go where you go, and that's tough luck on you, then why have the draft? You know, they have the draft, and that's designed to have the crappier teams get better, right? Yeah. And it, particularly in a sport where one or two players can make a huge difference, unlike uh, baseball and, and football, you know, you can – if Tom Brady was on a crappy team, you know, you need a lot of good players to win in football. you got to have a good quarterback too, but you also need – a bunch of other good players, just in sheer numbers. So I do have a little bit of a problem with this these buyout deals because it seemed like Drummond, he was going to go to the Lakers no matter what. Yeah, I'll agree and, with you in that regard. And I don't, I, I don't know about whether they how to what extent they should go to prevent it from happening. But uh, it, it is an advantage. You have a good point there. And I, I maybe, don't I really have an answer. Maybe you you take on the financial burden. You, there's no – you can go, you can release them, but maybe take the new team has to take more of a burden. Uh, instead of getting a reduced price, you get – you got to pay 80% of the salary or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm just speaking. I, ju- I just wonder. Because the NBA, to me, it seems like it's trying to play it both ways here. You want – the draft is there to set people up 
to be better as long as you do your work and draft the right players. I mean, look at the Jazz, right? When Gordon Hayward left, it's like, oh, man, all the air went out of the balloon, right? Because they had that great run, uh, the, the, and they had struggled, and they brought in some veterans, and we know the story, and they beat the Clippers, and everything's looking great. Okay, this team's going to be trending upward. And then Hayward leaves. He's like, oh, no, now we're going to go back to where it was. Well, it turns out, no, <laughs> that's yeah. not the case. They got a player who's probably better than Hayward. Certainly had a better attitude than Hayward and, and, and Mitchell and, and then Gobert blossoms and away they go. So it wasn't devastating. So just because you have draft picks doesn't mean you're going to turn them into good players. But the draft is designed. That's the purpose of that. But yet you got over here where you can get guys can come and go, and it doesn't seem like they come and go to around the league. So uh, the Lakers already have enough benefits just by being the Lakers. I mean, they sucked for so many years, and then LeBron decides, well, I want to go there, and all of a sudden they're good. And the Anthony Davis situation, was he going to go someplace else? No, so he sort of – James Harden's taken a lot of grief for whining his way out of Houston to go to Brooklyn – wasn't that basically with Anthony, what Anthony Davis did? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yes, it was. And don't the Lakers have enough advantages that they got to have more? Well, see, what happens is, and this is, uh, this is a great point, you know, teams like the Jazz, they, they may be able to use terrific acumen to pick the right players yes. and to develop those players. But then what are they doing? They're going to farm out to someone else at some point? So teams like the Lakers can make a bunch of boneheaded mistakes and then cover for themselves by by signing people because they want to go there, whereas other teams might be smarter, but they get penalized ultimately because of their destination. And that's, that's a bit of a problem. And I, I don't know uh, what the league can do about that. It's not like they can throw these guys – into situations that, I mean, free agency is free agency. I mean, that's a yeah. blame yeah. blame Kurt Flood. And, and I don't have a problem with free agency. I think that you know you play your and in the league too, and the the and the NBA does it really well. You basically have uh, the rights to the player for eight nine years, so you have a good chunk of time to try to make that player believe you're the team he should stay with. Yeah, then there is responsibility on the part of the team to appeal to the players by yes. by doing yes. exactly what you just said. And right. my my partner Jake, he uh, Jake Scott, he often says it's a good thing for the Jazz for players to be greedy because that's the incentive for them to stay where they are. Is that the, those host teams can pay more, but uh, there's so much money that these players are awash in these days from other sources, shoe deals, et cetera, endorsements and whatnot that I, I, you know, but if they are greedy, then they'll stay with their teams. And the the Jazz uh, had a nice off season in that regard with the guys that they retained. So that's, that's nice for them. And so maybe, and, and look, the Jazz have worked hard at this. They're trying to present uh, themselves as a destination, as a team that cares about its players and wants the players to, to want to be here. And that's, you know, I think they've made some headway in that regard. I mean, just Jordan Clarkson wanted to come back. Oh, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, the two stars re-signed. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can continue that. But look, the beach isn't here. 
You know, the beach isn't here, and it never will be unless Nevada and California fall off the continent. Well, can we have an offspring of the beach? (laughs) Such as? Well, if we had an offspring of the beach, then we'd have a son of a beach, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You make a good point, except the, the difference being that the Jazz better get it right, and that's the crucial point. They better get it right the first time. Yeah. Exactly. They don't These necessarily teams, have the second time. Right. And the other teams have a second, almost certain teams have a second chance. The Jazz don't. Yeah. And so they can retain their players, but they had to figure out Gobert's the guy we want. Mitchell's the guy we want. We'll trade you an injury prone Exum for Clarkson, and you'll say yes. And then we'll give him the ball. So in his free agent year, and where he's, why? Jordan Clarkson, I assume he's not a dumb man. Why in the world would he want to go someplace else where you're going to get, basically, you can dribble the entire length of the shot clock and then jack it up? <laughs> yeah, I think it's getting a little bit extreme these days, but maybe maybe it's all good as long as the ball goes in, and when it doesn't, it's like he's hogging Well, and you're winning. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, geez, Clarkson, of course, he's going to resign, but they've got to get the guys first. The guys don't come to him, uh, come to them. I just think that the league may need to revisit a Particularly if Drummond goes off, yeah, uh, yeah, and you got three guys, man, that you really didn't do anything to deserve getting, and you end up getting. Yes, uh, so, I agree with you in that regard, and, yeah. and that will be obvious. <laughs> if, right, it, right, if the Lakers right. win another title now, uh, yeah, that will not. Uh, that will be a discussion point for sure. Yeah. There you go. All right, Tim McCombs coming up next. Run this by him, see what the Jazz are doing. What did you think of Craig Smith hire? Stay with us, 97.5-1280 the zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, and Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Baskin, Ozzy Osbourne, but even better. I think it might be better. That's Tim Lacombe, lead singer for the Party Hounds, Gordon. Gordon Monson joining me today. I'm PK. DJ's out. That is. Do you realize that's Tim Lacombe banging out Ozzy Osbourne right there? Yeah, but my question is, has Tim ever bitten the head off a chicken? I know a chicken has tried to bite Tim Lacombe's head. Good morning, Tim. How are you? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Did I? I I, I? I got too quick. But yeah, I bit off a rodent. I never got quite to the chicken or the bat. You know, it didn't work for me. The rodent. It was gross. It was gross. Yeah. 
What? Uh, why, why? Why rock and roll? I mean, is this just a love of yours that you've always had? Yeah, I think uh, you know what the psychological part of it. I think uh, the more I've studied rock and roll and kind of what it is, you know, I as a young kid I lost my dad uh, and kind of got uprooted from a place I was used to living and moved way far away and. Uh, you know, I think that the new group of friends I made and uh, all that stuff, I think it was I think it was a form of, you know, crying out, rebellion, trying to figure out what was going on in my life. And I, I just latched on to music at a really young age. And it's, you know, I, I have friends that say, you know, they'll see the model of car I drive and they'll say, is that Tim? Wait a second and see if we can see the drum solo, you know, because my arms are flying around. Uh, and they were, if they're behind me, you know, they can see it's me. So music's just a, to me, it's like one of the essentials. It's like breathing and eating. And uh, I guess that's about all I do now is this, breathe and eat. This, this isn't exactly sports related, but I'm interested in both yours and PK's opinion on this. I saw an interview done by Steve Perry, and he said that when bands break up, he said a lot of the stuff comes to the forefront of uh, uh, problems that, that musicians have had since their childhood. And he said, by, by nature, many musicians are, oh, I don't know what word to use, avoiders. He said, that's what we do. We make music, we go to a hotel, we perform, we move on, we go to the next show, then we go on to the next show and the next show and the next show, and we don't face our problems. We uh, avoid them. Uh, you think there's any credibility to that? That's what Steve said about himself. I would say so. Um, but I think that could be said for everybody, right? I think that's the majority of, of we we just get used to living our life with our own blind spots. Anyway, this this got off the rails early. This is like a Dr. <laughs> Phil episode. That's what you get with Gordon. Well, I'm sorry. I started it. You know, I apologize. Mike was on the couch. No, I mean, I started it. My fault. Oh, PK, you've studied music as much as anyone I know. I don't avoid problems. I look that in the mirror and just. Uh, yeah, that's right. You look at a problem in the mirror every day. <laughs> I obsess over my problems starting at 10.01 every day. So I don't avoid them. I face them head on and just uh, I live my life from a regret standpoint. What could I have done differently? But that's just me. That's why I'm sick and twisted. <laughs> that's that sounds healthy. Anyway, <laughs> this has been brought to you by one eight hundred. You're crazy. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, I thought first off, uh, Craig Smith. We're going to have him coming on. Uh, what did you think? Well, I, I think it was an awesome hire. Um, you know, I think that the process itself was probably. You know, that, that's what's interesting about a coaching search. You never really have the insight, um, but you can kind of talk and ask around. And, um, you know, my vibe on it is I think, you know, Craig was one of a few candidates that the, the U was really interested in uh, all along. Uh, I think that as, you know, the the search – sorry. It's, I, I thought that the search, um, you know, as it went on, it was interesting with Alex and Johnny uh, – you know, and, and them both kind of feeling like it wasn't the right thing, the right time. And I think during that, you know, couple of days, I think a lot of that stuff with Craig was 
probably starting to, to form and get done. But I love him. I think he's a great coach and a great person. Um, he's, he's certainly done better than I would have ever thought possible in, you know, in those three years at Utah State. I thought he was coming in you know, um, after Tim, and he was going to kind of have to really kind of start <clears throat> from scratch. And, you know, the big piece, he had Sam Merrill, and, and then he went and got Kata. So I think that those things are, 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 are you know, indicative of what he's capable of doing, and, and Utah is going to be in a great spot. By the way, I saw that uh, DeMarlo Slocum and Eric Peterson are coming as his assistants at Utah. I don't know if you know either of them very well, but uh, I thought that was interesting. If you have a thought on that, please share it. But I wanted to ask you, Tim, how important is it for the head coach to be super enthusiastic? Mark Pope is that way. Craig Smith is that way. Is that a way of the future? Because uh, of all the words I would choose to uh, describe Larry Kraskoviak, I'm not sure that enthusiastic is the one that would come to mind first. Um, you know, I think what, what the enthusiastic, you know, I think there's there's almost kind of brands of, and just like personalities. Um, you know, it was interesting last night watching Mark Few, and, um, you know, Mark's about as down-to-earth and, and pretty simple as it gets. I remember getting a text a couple of years ago from Fuey asking how my day was going. Um, it was during the season, you know, it was a practice day and it was like noon or one o'clock. I think they're practicing in the afternoon and he was out snowshoeing before practice. I mean, he's got it so in perspective. I think the new age really is, um, has almost kind of mirrored social media and, I think there's an element now that is, uh, as a coach, you also kind of have to be a producer and a hype man. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that comes with all that stuff is, all you know, that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be judged on, you know, how many spots you do on television or how many mentions you get from ESPN or, uh, you know, how many videos from your team go viral. I think it's going to be, how substance, you know, substantive is your team? How far can you go? You know, how, how well can you do in your league? How far can you go in a tournament? And, and those things are always going to be the men- benchmarks. But I think what what our day and age now is about is glitz, glamour, the moment. And I think there's probably, you know, somebody on every staff that should have um, their finger on the pulse there. Yeah, that's interesting. And you obviously have a close relationship with Mark Few. I've interviewed him many times over the years, and I always found him to be matter-of-fact. Certainly not rude, uh, and he can engage, but when, and I've had a couple of one-on-ones with him, and there were conversations that we were having, it, and they were of a serious tone. Uh, I was talking to him about building a program once down at the Orleans after, I think, a semifinal, and he gave me some great answers, but it was, it was deep. It wasn't about... Uh, Glitz and glamour, as you say, and right now nobody's better or hotter than Mark Few. And then I brought this up earlier. I look at Mark Pope, and you got to win in the NCAA tournament, man. He's got to get over that hump. Now, he's only 0 for 1. It's not like uh, he's crashed and burned a thousand times over. I'm not saying that. By well, and the team they lost to happened to go to the Final Four, too. Right? Yeah, exactly, pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. Deep. So, that, I mean, nice 11 seed there uh, as far as that goes, too. <laughs> Yeah, so that was 
a difficult task. But I bring up the case of uh, Kobe Lee. And, you know, I can remember last year he's just pumping and pumping and pumping him. And then this year he plays a little bit, and then at the end he's not playing at all. So the point I'm being for you and Craig Smith, he has a ton of enthusiasm. How much of that, though, has to be genuine and be real? Because if you do it too much and you tell me, well, this kid's going to be all that and he's not, well, then I start to tune you out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're on to something. I think that uh, that really the the methods and the means and everything that is required to be successful in coaching hasn't changed. That's all you know, very, very straightforward. And, and we saw great examples of um, guys who, you know, like Mick Cronin, uh, he went into UCLA, and Mick's got a certain way about him, and his way is his way or the highway. Um, he is going to absolutely coach you and he's never ever going to stop and you know it doesn't matter if there's two minutes left in practice or um you know the last drill of the day he's he's relentless on teaching and demanding you do it right and i think that those types of things are probably the things that are certainly more important than all of the you know uh i guess for lack of a better word, the way I, I it's almost like there, there's a, a campaign or self-promotion, you know, coming out of every school. And, and it, it's not, I'm not being critical. It's just what it has to be nowadays. Um, everybody's got a Twitter, everybody's got a Instagram. So, you know, the more creative and unique and interesting you can be, um, just like a product you scan through, you know, on, on Instagram, that's what these teams and programs are competing with. So, totally understand the, the necessary um, evil of it but at the same time yeah you're right you you know the problem is all this stuff that's said is on tape or in the paper or written in you know uh, comments in an article after a game and and kids all kids want to do they just want to be able to be coached but what I found more than anything is they just want you to be straight with them and you don't always have to give them good news but you always got to be straight with them and I think that that type of you know where the game's going now and where all this stuff you know I I can't even imagine recruiting now and literally you've got a kid if you're lucky for eight months and the problem with that is you got to recruit them every day for eight months and so I guess what I'm getting to is kids want to be told the truth and you know all that other stuff you know with marketing we know that marketing it isn't always truth and so that's going to be the balancing act. How do coaches, you know, do plenty of that other stuff, but at the same time be able to look their team in the eye and their team look back at them and say, hey, we're on the same page. So, Tim, I wanted to ask you about this Final Four now, Houston, Baylor, UCLA, Gonzaga. Uh, Houston's pretty good, but does everyone want to see Gonzaga and Baylor? Is that is that what you think is going to happen? That's typically um, – I think that's what pretty much everybody thinks is going to happen. Um I think Kelvin Sampson going to have something to say about that. Just, uh, you know, I think it's Baylor, Houston, right? And Gonzaga, UCLA, yes. or those, is that the matchups? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Baylor Houston game, they better have, typically, if there's like one stretcher there, you know, there's typically a stretch there for precaution. There better be 14 of them because <laughs> that thing is going to be, seriously, if you want to watch a game that's probably going to be like 10 7 at the half. <laughs> is my guess. 
I mean, something just stupid crazy. It's going to be so physical. Um, and and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston found a way to get Baylor. I think Baylor's better. But Kelvin's just a magician, kind of, kind of like Majerus was at scouting and getting teams out of their rhythm. He came into the Marriott Center a couple of years ago um, when we were there, and we, you know, we were pretty up tempo, and we couldn't get out and run. Like he just took, he just flat took our 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 uh, transition away from us, and they just execute so well on offense. They don't score it great, but they execute. So um, I think Gonzaga is the best team. You know, by far, I mean, when I say by far, probably, I think they're, they may be a few, a few points better than Baylor, six or so, but I think everybody else, I think they'll, they'll have a, an easy time with. Um, I think Gonzaga's going to win it. I'm actually, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that Baylor-Houston game other than it's going to be a bloodbath. What can these other teams, whether they be here uh, locally in either conference, the West Coast Conference or Pac-12, what can they draw from Gonzaga that can help them because Gonzaga has it going on to the highest level right now? Well, the crazy thing about Gonzaga is, it, it, you know, we see Gonzaga right now. Um, but, you know, I was looking back at film. They were showing last night of North Carolina beating them with Morrison. Um you know, Gonzaga had that game one and turned it over and, and really lost it tough. You know, and I kind of look at the, the sideline over there and I see those, I see Mark standing there, I see the team, you know, the guys and um, that have been there, Tommy Lloyd. So these guys have been at this a long time. And I think what they've done is they've really kind of created a science of, of identifying and recruiting and you know, they were one of the first programs that really kind of started to actively pursue high-level transfers, you know, as a mid-major, quote-unquote mid-major, to, to get them interested. And I think it's just been interesting over the years to watch the the gradual growth. I mean, it's crazy to think this is the team that we beat uh, to go to the Sweet 16 um, in 2000, you know, 2011. So, um They've, they've been at this a long time, and I couldn't be more happy for them. But it's not like you can just – I think one of the things that's different nowadays is coaches and players, you know, there's not that whole concept of building. You know, you, you almost put the car together, drive, this, you know, drive the car for a season, and then rip the thing apart and go get new pieces. Um, and so I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if a team like – Gonzaga can really kind of rise up from the ashes um, of mid-majordom. And really, that's the part that's the most amazing to me is we, all these years, and I thought, God, we'll never catch Gonzaga. Well, guess what? Nobody really will because they're the number one team in the country. Um, and so it makes all those, those that pain kind of – I understand a little better now, I guess. You got any more, Gordon? No, I I heard Jake say it was time to go to break, so I'm nothing but obedient. Did he right, do it like you, this? Let's go to break. You you take the role you're taking the role of DJ, and so you ignore that. <laughs> so you guys just I, blow I, through those all the time. Hey, that's what I do during the big show. Enough, I I take a lot of heat for that, but uh, I thought <laughs> I would I would listen to the man yak. So you got Gonzaga yeah. winning it all. Yeah, I got Gonzaga winning it all. 
smart, smart man, and they just actually I got awesome three team. out of the four. I Alabama let me down, but I got oh. Houston, Baylor, Gonzaga. Oh, good for you. You know what's scary is that if a uh, few is going to start getting these top flight high school kids, forget it. It's yeah, over. No kidding. Oh, he well, just, he just, he just landed just got his the, best recruit, just got right? New, yeah, or one yeah. of the best. I know. Yeah. And Walker Kessler's had you know rumored to be headed there from North Carolina. So right. just, well, he, you know, he, he's always mined the transfer market. The transfer market and the foreign kid have always been uh, integral. But if he's going to get Suggs and this other kid, and they're going to be high that's, schoolers, but that's see, that's where you go. You, you, it's the pools you fish out of. <laughs> he's he's found the honey hole here now because. He's got the best of both worlds. See, now he can get exactly. transfers. Now he can get euros, and now right. he can he can get the best players in the U.S. coming out of high school for a year. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you said, I mean, how? how t- tell me this. I mean, we're talking about Spokane, Washington here. How is he doing it? How is he doing? I understand he wins. He's set this tradition and all that stuff, and people now understand Gonzaga is a great, great program. But how in the world? You know, I look at BYU and I look at Utah and I think, okay, what can they do to create what uh, Mark Few? Well, it actually started before him, but I mean, it's amazing. It is. It's it's actually a story of disruption. You know, we talk about disruption all over. You know, every every market. This was a basketball disruption, and they just went about it different. They played different. Um, they recruited different. And what they've got is something that worked out. You know, they've got a they've got a really cool pending IPO coming out really soon. So I think it's uh, I think it's a it would be an awesome study what you guys talk about. In fact, you know, if I was a writer, maybe I'd study the history of Gonzaga and write a book about it. But I'm not a writer. I wish I knew one. I don't know any. Uh, and I'll leave you with this, PK. You said you know what's scary. I'll tell you what's scary. What they let. Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan, and Tim Lacombe on the free air, air, airwaves for 19 minutes and 35 seconds without supervision. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, and he's th- not, not one dump button. <laughs> All right, Gordon, send us a break with some swear words. <laughs> I was tempted in the last segment, but uh, no, I will uh, follow Joe Ingalls' example and hold back. Okay. Just do, Tim, like the, do like the cartoons. <laughs> Something like that. Thanks, We're here guys. tonight with the Jazz, Tim, at uh, 5 o'clock. Get us ready for the game at 6 o'clock, okay? Yeah, I'll be there. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Tim McComb. You can hear him before and during and after all the Jazz games with Jay Scott. Jazz are playing the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. It's 6 o'clock tip our time. So the pregame will start on 1280-97.5 at 5 o'clock. And we've got Craig Smith coming up top of the hour. Jazz are going to be without Donovan Mitchell. Get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Let me tell you about Zero Res, guys. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Do you want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res right now. Just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Res clean. But minimum supply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online. Just search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. DJ's off today. Checking on his island in the Caribbean. Gordon Monson, who already checked on both of his islands in the Caribbean yesterday and found out they're just fine. He's joining us today from high atop the hills overlooking the Salt Lake Valley. 
How is it up there, Gordon? PK, I'm going to do something to you that Jake does to me on a regular basis. Are you eating something? No, I was drinking oh. something. Oh, okay. I knew something was going on. I had something and, in my throat. I got a glass of, uh, well, I always have a couple of bottles of Arrowhead water. Oh, my, good. Arrowhead water is my favorite water. What are you supposed to, uh, aren't we supposed to drink like six of those a day or something like that? I mean, yes. I don't know. We all fall short in that regard. I, I drink minimum four and sometimes get to five or six. Yeah, but minimum good. four. I've got to have four. But it's easy for me to get mm-hmm. those because I drink two during the show. I try to go to the gym every day and drink two there. Yeah, now, I better have a bathroom nearby. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, man. Uh, everything I read, people say, and you know, for most of most of our lives, we probably underperformed in that regard. But uh, yeah, that's a good and, tip for everybody. Yeah. And then if I can have one or two others, so I'm getting sixty-four every day minimum. That's, that's an absolute that, requirement. That's fantastic. Because it's 16 ounces uh, per bottle. Yeah, I believe, back me up, Yak. 16 times 4 is 64. 64 ounces or a half a gallon, which is what they recommend at minimum. Yak, do you follow that? Um, if you see me at most events, it's actually kind of a thing that just, I tote around with me. I carry a half-gallon jug with me at all times. I usually try oh, and down wow. at least a gallon a day. You guys, look at you. I, 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 I've been told it keeps you young longer. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. I mean, most people think I'm 32 years old. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz tonight against Memphis without Donovan Mitchell. Quick take, Gordon, before we go to break and get Craig Smith on. Coming up next to University of Utah basketball coach, do you think that it's going to be a problem? No Donovan Mitchell. He was on the plane, but then the plane had issues. I guess they said he was on the plane, and now he's not on the plane, so he's not going to play. I still think they got a decent chance to win. Yeah, I do too. I think the other guys raise their, their games. Uh, that happens sometimes. It's not wouldn't be shocking if they were to do that. And they're deep, you know. They, I mean, they've got some guys who can fill in. At uh, at both ends, uh, you know, I, I, are they going to win? I don't know whether they're going to win, but I think they can on a, on a short term situation sort of uh, make do. So I would expect them. Although it's tough to beat the team three times in, in this short period, so I don't know. We'll see. It makes it interesting, doesn't it? Who's going to take over? More interesting, yeah. yeah, who's going to take over in the fourth quarter? Well, since we have Joe Ingles on tomorrow, I hope it's him. <laughs> well, he's certainly <laughs> capable. I mean, you've brought this up with him, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him shoot so well on the whole no. over the past three weeks. It's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Couldn't it's like if, in fact, I, if I were Quinn, I'd be running plays for Joe. <laughs> Clear outs. <laughs> he's waving off screens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, he's playing great. Yeah, he is. He's scheduled to join us. He joins us every Thursday unless it's game day. Tomorrow isn't game day, so today is and then Friday is, so we expect him to give you the type of dude that Joe Ingles is. He's made a commitment, and he's going to keep that commitment. They're going to be flying back from Tennessee tonight, and he still says he's already told Yach this week that he will be on the show tomorrow. So Joe is money on and off the floor. Live root for him. I don't. I know you want to be tough guy and not root for dudes, but I root for, I root for Joe. Uh, and Ute fans are going to be rooting for Craig Smith. He's going to be joining us next. New basketball coach at the University of Utah. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.